Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me, kind of gently, please, at Jim Kramer. So many people keep trying to call a peak. And I've got to tell you, it's beginning to drive me nuts. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I think we may have just gotten started. Fortunately, the market sided with me today. A day where the Dow dipped 62 points, S&P gained 0.18%. But the Nasdaq jumped 0.87%. That's where the action was. Still, we need to address the peak question. When you hear the word peak, it usually has a positive connotation, right? Peak performance or, or the peak of a mountain. Give me Everest. Bring it on. But on Wall Street, peak is a curse word. Peak means done. Peak means stick a fork in it. Sell, 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 sell. Bury that market in a shallow grave and give me a tombstone with the date of death being, well, uh, today. Why so negative? Because the peak is where you stop going higher and start going lower. When the economy peaks, it means the GDP growth and the earnings growth will soon start to tumble. Of course, that doesn't mean everything goes down. Lots of stocks have no economic sensitivity, all whatever, and we call them secular growers. And they can put up good numbers, and whether times are good or times are bad. But then there are the other companies that surf the great wave of the business cycle. We call them cyclicals. When the economy booms, like we're seeing right now, thanks to the great reopening, they can make fortunes. Think of them as boom and bust stocks, because when the economy's in bad shape, they can lose fortunes. So you got to skedaddle sell, 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 sell. before that happens, well before it. Now, if you've never followed an economic expansion and subsequent contraction, usually brought on by the Federal Reserve raising interest rates, well, then you know what? You don't know the drill. We call these stocks that are levered to the economic economy cyclicals because there's a cycle. The business cycle. And a lot of people feel that when it comes to the cycle, things are as good as they can get. Most portfolio managers who run huge pools of money know the playbook. 
They're conscious that this recovery is gigantic, fueled by federal stimulus, uh, and then checks from the Treasury, rent abatements, and, of course, everything that comes with a great reopening. And that's without accounting for all the spending in President Biden's infrastructure plan, assuming Congress will pass even a fraction of it. Oh, that includes a $50 billion commitment to build semiconductor foundries in order to create jobs and also give us a more secure source of microchips. Well, then there are the private companies, like Apple's plan to invest $430 billion in the U.S. over the next five years. That's a 20% increase versus the last five-year plan that CEO Tim Cook laid out on our show, by the way, in 2018. Of course, uh, only the part of it's front-loaded matters to this market, but there's still a substantial amount of money and a 20,000 new job commitment's going to come with it. And by the way, let's just say they got a better balance sheet than the United States government, so their commitment's a lot bigger. Now, thanks to all the stimulus and an infrastructure package, I'm confident that our economy could have real momentum all year, maybe even into next year. Even if Fed Chief Jay Powell starts the process of tapering the Federal Reserve's bond purchases on Wednesday after the Fed meeting, even if he raises a rate, well, it wouldn't do much to slow this monster of recovery. It's going to take many rate hikes before that happens, which brings me full circle back to the business cycle. It's been ages since anyone has seen a strong recovery. We're talking decades. I think it's so powerful that we can't even see the top of it. In Everest terms, we're probably at base camp two out of four. By the way, you know, even at camp four, you can't see the top. But lots of people seem to think that we're at a peak right now or we'll be there any second, which would cause these big money managers to dump the red hot cyclical stocks. I mean, a wholesale departure. They run so much. Uh, these guys, these managers, they run so much money that they can't even wait until we get to the top of the cycle. They've got to be out six months ahead of time, which means now. Believe me, I know you need to anticipate these things, but I still think it's an absurd, absurd reiteration. Uh, 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 you can't call peak right here. We haven't seen what happens when people start spending on travel and entertainment again. Americans love to spend money. I mean, it's practically our natural pastime. For over a year, we've had basically an enforced ban on spending, unless it was online or an essential retailer. We're just now starting to get a pickup in travel. This summer, we'll be able to go to Europe, hope to see you on my plane. We're only beginning to get permission to eat on inside en masse. We'll all be allowed to go to the movies. Look at AMC roaring 13% today. This is the start of a new cycle, not the end, when it could benefit all the automakers, including even Tesla, which reported tonight. The stock market has figured this out. For example, today we witnessed a textbook tug of war between the peak camp and the miles from the top camp. I'm talking about Cleveland Cliffs, the iron and steel maker. It's now the number two player in America behind Nucor. The stock caught a downgrade today from one firm and a price target boost from the other. What happened? The stock rallied 5% on the high volume. We have the CEO of Cleveland Cliffs on later tonight so he can tell us where we are in the cycle. And believe me, it's not late. And it's not just the steel makers. This morning, Otis Elevator. Wow. The leader in the S&P 500 gave today, today's action, gave us some much better than expected data. Much better. Terrific 18 percent growth across all geographies. Organic growth was up a stunning 10 percent. The 18 percent order growth. I mean, I still I'm I'm still trying to parse through these numbers. They're so powerful. This is an elevator company. As the CEO, Judy Marks, told me, there is a construction boom beginning all over the world. And the U.S. is seeing unprecedented growth. If we were anywhere near the peak, those results wouldn't have surprised anyone. But everybody was shocked, which is how a big cap stock like Otis 
could rally 7% in a single session. Yeah, biggest gainer. A whole bunch of cyclical stocks that have been running, like the copper and lumber and aluminum place, got some more lift, signaling big-time construction. That's exactly what we heard from Otis, which I think I really think that set the group on fire. But you also saw some colossal commitment to forgotten stories. Look, on Friday, I told you to buy American Express. They reported CEO Stephen Squarey explained that things are just beginning to get good for both consumer and spending and corporate spending. On Friday, nobody cared. Stock was crushed, vying with Honeywell for the title of the biggest loser in the debt. Today, though, it came roaring back up 4%. You know what? I bet Honeywell does the same thing tomorrow after another beating. I would buy that one tomorrow morning. Of course, nothing took off like the semis today, a group that had been held back by this peak talk for weeks now. Early in the morning, Skyworks Solutions rallied and rallied hard. They're getting credit now for an acquisition they announced late last week, picking up the industrial and automotive lines for Silicon Labs, something CEO Liam Griffin told us right here on Mad Money that would be fantastic when he came on the show on Friday. Soon after Skyworks started roaring, buyers came out of the Woolwork for all the most cyclical semiconductor stocks. The whole group caught fire. Skyworks finished up 4.5%. So uh, can you spot this kind of thing if you're just learning how stocks work? I always say it's just like Watergate. Follow the money. You can see the money pouring out of the food, drug, and packaged goods stocks going right into cyclicals today. That tells you the market's figured it out, refuting all this peak talk. Bottom line. For all the hand-wringing about how this is as good as it gets for the market, today's action said there's no peak to be seen. If you can't imagine the economy get, getting much, much stronger than this, the problem, it's all in your imagination. Michael in Texas. Michael. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, I'd like to give a shout-out to my friend Kevin in Philadelphia. I'm calling on stock ticker TTD, the trade desk. What mm-hmm. do you think about Google? and other companies removing third-party cookies and how this affects Trade Desk long-term? Well, that's a really good question. I don't know. Trade Desk is really going to trade up with Google. If Google reports a good number tomorrow, of course, that's Alphabet. Uh, we have liked Jeff Green very much. He's always welcome on the show, and I think the business just continues to get better and better for that online advertiser. I would own the stock. It's the kind of stock that's been paying a little bit of dues because it went up so much, but it is profitable. I like that. Can we go to Carter also in Texas? Carter! Jim, booyah. Wow, booyah back, the home of booyah. What's going on? Oh, big fan of yours. Thank you. uh, OPKO, great quarter last quarter, quarters reports in a couple of days. Is it a hole or what do you think? It should be moving up. I've got to tell you, Carter, it is perplexing me. Business is good. They have that bioreference labs. I just don't see it moving. They, by the way, there's, there's, their test for a prostate cancer is the best there is. Um, they got to tell a better story. Let's go to Brian in Florida. Brian. Hey, Jim. Love your show. Watch ah, it every day. Brian, thank you. Oh, thanks. I got one question. It's about Dollar General. It's traded on the stock market as DG. Yep. What, what do you think? I'm looking to buy. Well, okay, so all the so-called essential retailers – uh, really did get hammered today. I agree with you. I think Dollar General is coming into a sweet spot, and that's Memorial Day and July 4th. They tend to do well. They've got food in there now. There's been no sign whatsoever that this company's not going to have a very, very good spring and summer. I agree with you. I think Dollar General is a buy. All right, look, there's no peak to be seen, people. Arguably, arguably. We're just getting started. Oh, man, tonight, Cleveland Cliffs got a downgrade today, but the stock's heading higher. 
Could it be worth considering here? Four times earnings? I'm talking with the CEO. Then it's the fastest growing retailer in the country, and the CEO joins me tonight. Don't miss my sit down with tractor supply after earnings. And Hartford rejected not one, but two, maybe three. Yes, three acquisition offers for Chubb. So what's the company's next move? I've got the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed well this is a dream come true to have this guess i keep telling you that 2021 belongs to the industrials, okay? The stocks that can generate monster earnings in a booming economy. But in recent weeks, they've stalled out. As I said at the top of the show, otherwise intelligent people worry that this is as good as it gets, that the numbers will peak this quarter or the next one. So it's time to get out while the getting's good. Wrong! These skeptics underestimate the scale of this great reopening. Look at the steel makers. They've got incredible pricing power right now. Thanks to booming end markets. Think autos. They're just starting. Machinery. And it'll only get better as aerospace and non-residential construction start roaring back. And the best performing steel makers, Cleveland Cliffs. This used to be a pure play on iron. Uh, but uh, over the past year, they've made some huge acquisitions. Snapping up AK Steel and ArcelorMittal's uh, uh, U.S. business, I think, for a song. I think they did it right. Now, Cleveland Cliffs is a vertically integrated steelmaker that's firing on all cylinders. A month ago, the company pre-announced some spectacular results. Stock jumped from $17.25 to 20 bucks. Last week, they released their full-year results, and the numbers were great. Management also gave you some excellent guidance. But let's understand this. They are now talking about four 
billion in earnings before interest taxes, depreciation, amortization up from $3.5 billion in their last forecast just a few weeks ago. However, thanks to some recent profit taking, the stocks pulled back again to under 19. I think it's a steal. Do not take it from me. Let's hear from Lorenzo Gonsalves. He's the chairman and CEO of Cleveland Cliffs and a most forward thinker. Learn more about this transformation, what he sees going forward. Mr. Gonsalves, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. It's a dream come true for me as well. Oh. It's great to be with you. <laughs> it's great. Let's start out. There's an outfit across the street from you in, in Cleveland, uh, which, by the way, was the capital of everything when John Rockefeller started, right? And it's a key, key baggy. He, he thinks that the um, valuation's done. The valuation's too high. That it's time to downgrade the stock. I don't. Know, I disagree. How about you? I disagree as well. But you know, sometimes uh, the, the research analysts they 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 see a, a good run, and uh, this specific one he upgraded us in November. We had more than one hundred percent appreciation since then, and uh, he took a victory lap. He could. He was running with the ball since defense, and uh, he was about to cross the touchdown line. He decided to go on the sidelines. I will give him a C for effort, but they could have scored a big touchdown if he had run the ball to the end zone. Well, the toughest part that I have with him is not necessarily that he took the victory at, but these numbers for 2022. Uh, Lorenzo, they're not realistic. I mean, look, you bought two steel companies that, frankly, I thought were not great. You put them together and make it, you're making them great. The order book is just beginning. How can I possibly think that 2022 uh, is going to be a down year from 2021? And we are now, Jim, in a very different world in our business, in this country as well. Uh, COVID uh, taught us a very tough lesson. Uh, to, the, to the entire population, not not to Cleveland. We have always been believers in manufacturing in the United States. But the post-COVID world is one that uh, will be very unforgiving for companies that have supply chains depending on manufacturing abroad and going through the ports and growing to complication. The microchip situation with automotive is just a symptom. It's not the disease. So we're going to see more manufacturing coming back to the United States. Cleveland Cliffs is ready to support these manufacturers in automotive and other sectors. Why did you do with something that I thought was vital? Why did you go back from Cliffs, Nat- you go to, from Cliffs Natural back to the storied name, the, the fantastically storied name of Cleveland Cliffs? Yeah, look, Cleveland Cliffs is, is at the basis of supporting manufacturing in this country forever, since 1847. And when I took over the company through a hostel takeover in 2014, the one thing that was bothering me the most was the fact that the previous regime had changed the the company name. So I brought the company name back as soon as I could, as soon as the company was back on track, and as soon as as the company was back, being the the supplier of uh, iron ore pellets for these two makers in the United States. Now we became the largest flat world steel producer, the largest flat world steel maker in the country. So that's why we are coming from a position of strength and we're very ready for 2021, 2022 and beyond. Now, there have been other steel companies that have tried to integrate and buy other steel companies, uh, and it didn't really work, uh, in part maybe it's because of the cycle, in part because they didn't know how to integrate. Why should we think that you, Lorenzo, are, are going to be able to p- make AK Steel work with ArcelorMittal with, uh, with, also with what you're doing? Why is it going to work for you and didn't work for others? 
because I am very focused on people. Uh, I am very focused on making people work together. And uh, I'm very proud, actually, that we pay our people better than other steel companies. I'm very proud that we generate 25,000 very good paying jobs, vast majority union jobs. I prefer to pay my people a little better than have to keep hiring rookies and keep training people. Uh, I don't feel like people are just numbers. And they understand that. So AK still was integrated extremely easily through a very complicated year. That was 2020. And we are doing the same thing with ArcelorMittal USA uh, in 2021, which is actually a lot easier now that things are starting to, to be a lot, a lot more actionable than in 2020. So people, that's the difference. Okay, that is a very big change. I know the labor problems, the strife at AK, that's over from what you were doing. Now, uh, one last thing, the infrastructure bill. Uh, definitely needed, as we know. Uh, you would play a role? A big one. A big one. We are big producers of plates. We are big producers of flat road, as you know. And we are ready to support the, all the initiatives. We also believe that at, at, at this point in time, there is nothing that could preclude us to continue to grow this business here in the United States, organically, in an environmentally friendly fashion. We are the most environmentally uh, compliant and friendly steel producer, producing country in the entire world. So producing steel in the United States, in companies like Cleveland Cliff or Nucor, it's great for the environment. And uh, we need to do more of that and less in China polluting the world. Yes, it, it, we, we're 2%. There are more than 60%. People choose, treat them as if they're some developing country that they get an excuse to do it. You and I both know that's not right. All right. All right. That's Lorenzo Gonsalves, and he is the chairman and CEO of a very undervalued four times earning company. And that's because people think it's Pete. I disagree. May have money's back after the break. Could the future of retail be rural? Kramer's digging into a stock up over 80% in the past year and plowing through earnings with the CEO of Tractor Supply. Next. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We need to talk about the incredible run in Kramer Fave Tractor Supply, the big farm and garden chain that's like a rural Home Depot. In the last 13 months, this stock has more than tripled from its lows because so many people have moved to the country, allowing these guys to put up some stellar numbers. Last Thursday, Tractor Supply reported a breathtaking quarter, a massive top and line, bottom line beat, N- nearly 39% same-store sales growth. Wall Street was only looking for 23%. Frankly, Jim Cramer says that's the most he's ever seen. And that's the kind of number most retail executives can only dream of. On top of that, management raised their full-year forecast pretty substantially. In response, the stock jumped to a new all-time high. And while it looks expensive, up here trading at 26 times this year's earnings estimates, with a few more upside surprises like this, well, it could turn out to be really cheap. Let's take a closer look with a 
real smart retailer. His name is Hal Lawton. He's the president and CEO of Tractor Supply. Find out more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Lawton, congratulations on a great quarter, and welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim, how are you? Thanks for having me on today. And I'd like to give a big shout out to our 42,000 plus team members that are out there every day serving our customers, taking care of each other, and living our mission and values. Well, I'm so glad you started there because I think many of our viewers and many people at CBC don't know 42,000, don't, don't, don't know 1,900 stores, don't know 20 million people in the Neighbors Loyalty Club. These are extraordinary numbers, Hal, for a company that people don't really know about. Yeah, it's quite the hidden gem, uh, Jim. You know, we don't have a store within a, uh, you know, an hour's drive in New York City or Los Angeles. And so at times uh, we can get overlooked. But, uh, you know, we've got, as you said, we're nearing 2,000 stores, uh, rolling 12 uh, revenues uh, over $11 billion, uh, rolling 12 comp growth rates are over 30 percent, 42,000 plus team members, 20 million members of our Neighbors Club. Uh, you know, we really focus on serving that rural out here lifestyle. All right. Well, one of the things, Hal, that I think is important, I switched to tractor supply from my local uh, feed and grain. I don't think that's unusual for rural. But then there's another whole group who are coming, millennials, who are going from urban to suburban and rural. Both trends are very powerful. Yeah, as you said, Jim, we've been getting market share with our core customer, but also with a new customer and the millennial customer. You know, we all look at the mobility date and we're seeing millennials move out of the city, out into the suburbia and out into rural. We're really seeing a revitalization of, of rural led by millennials. They're leading in home purchases out in rural areas and they're also forming households. They're adopting pets and they're really inspired by the out here lifestyle. We saw a four point sales penetration change last quarter with the millennial cohort. Okay, so how let's let's cut to the chase here. How about life in here? I'm talking about, of course, Macy's versus life out here. Which one's more fun for you? Well, Jim, I grew up in Tennessee, and uh, you know, grew up the out here lifestyle, and so it's great to be here at Tractor Supply, and it's a company with just a fantastic mission and values, and really a culture that's second to none. Well, you know, I uh, I bought mine on Route 202. That's either here or there, but it's New Jersey. And I have seen the transformation to where uh, there's something that uh, we've got it, fortunately, here. Chicken coops. Now, when we started going, you had a little bit of chickens. But how did this take off? You know, the chicken... The chicken uh, kind of aficionados and those those that are just passionate about poultry, there's millions and millions of them across our country, and they really rely on tractor supply for their poultry passions. And not only do we sell live birds, last year we sold 11 million live birds, but we also sell everything you need to go along with your poultry passion, whether it's the chicken coops, your chicken feed, waterers, your heat lamps, really everything. We are a one-stop shop for poultry uh, in, and really the best one-stop shop in the United States. And you know, it really has this self-reliance mentality that we're seeing across the country is uh, really created and exacerbated by, by the pandemic has really brought the poultry uh, category to the forefront. And how I think it's it's uh, it's really part of the zeitgeist. I think that chickens, we view them as being abused beasts. We view their eggs as being mechanical and industrial. I think there's a direct reaction, Hal, to what's happened with agribusiness in our country. There's no doubt. I mean, if you look at uh, pet adoptions, if you look at 
poultry passion, you look at gardening, you know, people are moving from the urban areas out into the rural and suburban areas, and they're embracing that out here lifestyle. They're, and they're gardening more, raised bed gardens, and Tractor Supply is really a one-stop shop destination for those customers. Now, I feel badly because we do not have a tractor here. We've got some nice plants, got some decent-looking tomato plants. By the way, they look like Jersey beefsteaks. But what's incredible to me is that you own the tractor business, the large ones, where there's good gross margins, but also where you get everything for a tractor. I mean, most of us, when you start getting more than an acre, this you need to go there. Absolutely. That's our core customer, Jim, is two acres or more. They rely on us for their lifestyle, whether it's fencing, whether it's fence posts, whether it's trailers, and certainly they're riding lawnmowers. You know, they come to us for all facets of that. They also come to us for their boots. They come to us for their outdoor wear and certainly their pet food and their animal feed. Uh, you know, we are a one-stop shop. You know, we're not a category retailer. We're a lifestyle retailer, and it's really about that out here lifestyle. All right. Now, I've been emphasizing the same as you have, the lifestyle, uh, life, out, life out here. But I do have to ask, you, you are um, conservative in nature, and you do talk about the stimulus payments and what it will mean and whether they'll tail off and whether comps will get negative. Um, some of, of what I see at your place is, is secular growth. And it may not matter as much. That's my view. You don't have to say it's your view. But I think you're being overly cautious given what I see at my tractor supply. Well, to your point, Jim, in our first quarter earnings call, we called out things like the stimulus and inflation and also some good weather in the first quarter. There were transitory factors that helped drive our business. But in addition to that, there absolutely are structural trends that are driving our business that we think have a long lasting uh, uh, trend to them. Things like pet ownership, Mm -hmm. things like the rural revitalization, as well as things like gardening and self-reliance and poultry. And in addition, last year in October, we launched our life out here strategy we almost doubled our capital investment, and we're already starting to see the fruit of some of those investments. Oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I know that this weekend was a beautiful weekend, and how many of these do you ever get? That last weekend of April is so key, as does the next two are. Hey, Hal, you're Jen. I am so glad you came on the show to talk about it. Came on the show to talk about one of the most important retailers in this country. Great to see you. Thanks, you Appreciate it. Absolutely. I am as excited about Tractor Supply as I was when I first met, mentioned it to Faber, and he, said, he looked at me cross-eyed. I said, this is the big one. Hal Lawton, President CEO of Tractor Supply Company, TSCO. It's not done. Maybe early. They have money's back in Bloomberg. Coming up, what's better to have and not need than to need and not have? This company sells it. And Kramer solves the riddle. Next. Last month, we got word of a major shakeup in the property and casualty insurance business when Chubb Limited offered to buy Hartford Financial Services Group for $65 a share. The Hartford stock jumped nearly 20% overnight and stayed there even after management shot down Chubb's initial bid. Then last Thursday, when the Hartford reported an okay but not perfect quarter, they told us they'd shot down two more bids from Chubb, 67 and 70, and then Chubb threw in the tap. Yet the Hartford stock refuses to come down. At 68 and change, it's actually rallied since we learned there was no deal in the works. Hmm, what's going on here? Chubb's failed takeover bid waking up investors to the true value of this business? Let's think deeper with Christopher Swift. He's the chairman and CEO of the Hartford. Get a better sense of his vision and why he thinks his company's worth more as an independent entity. Mr. Swift, welcome to Mad Money. 
It's great to be with you, Jim, on your program. Well, I am thrilled that you're here. Let, let's just get this out of the way. Uh, the rationale for rejecting that Chubb offer? Well, you know, the, the board uh, looked at it uh, with its advisors, its financial advisors and outside you know, lawyers and really reached the conclusion uh, to reject it and really determine engaging in any future discussions uh, just didn't make sense uh, for shareholders in the long term. Which then they added you know, that they really have the, the confidence and conviction of the Hartsford strategic business plan would create you know, value for shareholders over a longer period of time. So, um, you know, I, I think we're sitting on a valuable franchise, Jim, that uh, is executing well. Well, I'm going to use different language because I know your company and I am uh, a policyholder. But you would you might have to disclose that. But I think he was trying to steal the company. I see what's going on. I see what's going on with the buyback. I see what's going on with the cash. I see that the quarter had some one-time things, including a, a terrible thing, incident with Boy Scouts that you had to pay. And what I've come up with is, is that you were about to have an earnings explosion from small and middle enterprises. Could I be right? Yeah, I think you got it right. If, if I look at where we are today and where I see the future going, you can't help but be optimistic, you know, Jim. I mean, the pandemic is, is beginning to recede. Uh, deaths are coming down. The vaccination process is going relatively smoothly. And it all, all points to, to a recovery, particularly in small to mid-sized businesses. We're, we're, that's our sweet spot. So, uh, and if I look at the strength of our, of our businesses led by small commercial, which is the market leader, in small business. If I look at our group benefits business, which is the number two player in, in life insurance and disability at the workplace. If I look at our middle market and, and global specialty businesses where they're competitive in a unique ARP offering uh, where we uh, offer to ARP members home and auto, I, I, I think you know the better days of the Hartford are, are really ahead of us and we're gonna grow uh, faster than we have before. We're gonna continue to improve margins. And we're going to buy back our, our shares, which we think is very accretive. Now, uh, Hartford Next, great cost reduction plan. But let me ask you the other side. Uh, did you cut costs too much? I, I think you need more agents. I think you need more agents to handle the business. Well, uh, remember, the agency force is independent. So right. we do business with over 1,500 independent agents uh, today. So I'm, I'm quite pleased with our agency force. But to answer your question, Jim, now, I, I don't think we've, we've cut uh, you know, too far. You know, we have a $625 million savings program, you know, through the, you know, through 2023. Uh, it's probably 13, 14, 15 percent of our total expenses. We have been investing a lot uh, in our businesses over the last five or six years. And we wanted to invest in some structural savings now. Um, and I, I think it's, it's prudent and it's not cutting uh, to the bone, Jim. It's not. Okay, that's fair enough. Now, uh, do you need interest rates to go higher in order to be able to have the big, big explosion in earnings? Well, you know, I, our explosion of earnings is going to come from a number of uh, sources. One, uh, our top line is going to grow. Uh, the pricing environment for our products is, is still conducive to expanding margins. We just talked about, you know, Hartford Next. Uh, and I would say that the investment portfolio, as rates rise, uh, as long as they rise slowly and steadily, uh, that will provide a little boost to our, our portfolio. But our first quarter investment portfolio uh, performed very, very well, particularly led by our, our alternative 
investment asset classes, which is really uh, you know, private equity and some of our uh, real estate holdings. Okay, now one thing we had a company called Metro Mile on. I'm a little concerned about these insurer techs picking off some of your businesses. You have that great deal with ARP for auto, but what do you deal with a company that just says, "Listen, you only have to pay by the mile"? Is that something that you should be in? Is it something you're worried about? I, I think it's one of those innovations that uh, most carriers are exploring. Uh, we have our priorities right now, so it is on a on a future docket. But it is a, another way uh, to interact with consumers and give them a product, you know, that is basically on demand. Yeah, you know, we have a small little business called Y Risk you know, that is in the on demand, more of the commercial, okay, you know, side of of insurance that we're experimenting in. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, on the future uh, uh, docket, but not currently for us right, right. now. I, th- I think the $2.5 billion buyback is a great investment up here. I want to thank you, Christopher Swift, Chairman and CEO of the Hartford, for coming on Mad Money. Thank you. Guys, inexpensive. I know these insurance companies are hard to understand, but this one is a play on the reopening of America and small to medium-sized business. That's how you have to think about it. Christopher Swift, Chairman and CEO of the Hartford, and Mad Money will be right back. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. It is time. It's time for The Lightning Round. Kramer's what is that about? That's about... And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, time for the lightning round. Let's start with Russell in New York. Russell. Hey, from Buffalo, New York. It's an honor to talk to the stock market guru, Jimmy Chill. Well, man, I can't wait to get up there for a football game. What's going on? No, that's right. Listen, over the years of following your guidance, brother, I made mad money, and I appreciate you. Here we go. Thank you. Like to know your thoughts on context logic, ticker symbol wish. Okay, I am of two minds, and you will like this, Russell. I am two minds of wish. One is is that I think that, you know, e-commerce service is a dime a dozen, but the second is 44% of the float is shorted. That's way too high. I bet you could have a bit of a run here. Let's go to Dick in Oregon. Dick. Jim, it's an honor to talk to you. Oh, thank you, Dick. Your advice has been gold to me. Thank you. Oh, very thank you. Thank you. I'm thinking about buying uh, Veru, V-E-R-U, Incorporated. It's come down a lot. Doc, you know, Doc Steiner has a very good bunch of uh, drugs in there. I think it's overly done. I know that it's, it's a crazy trader. Just a crazy, crazy trader. But I am, without a doubt, a believer in the company. Let's go to Anthony in New Mexico. Anthony! Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, the stock I'm calling about today has had revenues and spending up the past three years. What are your thoughts on the DNA reading the Terra? Look, I am such a huge believer in diagnostics, whether it be Danaher, whether it be Thermo Fisher, whether it be any company that is involved in that, that I am going to back yours. I'm going to back yours because it's going to make an acquisition. It can make another company, acquisition-hungry company, a nice piece of change. And let's go to Royce in Tennessee. Royce! Hey, Jimmy, a big Nashville booyah. Thank you so much for taking my call. Of Long course, time listener, Royce. first time caller. Of course. Good to have you. Hey, so I'd like to get your take on Canada's finest, Suncor Energy. Well, you know so what? You we're going to be tough on Suncor, I think, in this country. I think we're getting tough on all the Canadians. Uh, I don't I, look, this is an area 
where the president seems to not want to let your oil and gas come into our oil. Well, you're not from there, but if you're from Canada. Uh, and it worries me. It worries me a lot because I like free trade. But I think it's going to hurt Suncor, and I prefer Chevron, which reports later this week. How about Joe in North Carolina? Joe! Hey, Jim. Thanks very much for all you do. Oh, thank you. Hey, the company I'm looking at has increasing growth process cash flows and a decent balance sheet. Well, the car coaches, products are hardly stand on the shelf. I would say at home place changing and materials inflation creeping in. Do you think Flowers Foods ticker FLO would be a good addition? I always have trouble with Flowers Food from the day that I first went to a Flowers Food plant in 1978. So I'm not so sure I can endorse this one. It's a cutthroat business. I'm not done. I'm going to Peyton in Massachusetts. Peyton! Hi, Jim. How are you? Oh, Peyton, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. So I had a question today on microvision. Well, you got a wild trader there, Peyton. And I got to tell you, I'd rather be on the long side of that one than the short side, which many people are. Hey, look, when you have imaging engines, I'm all over that like a cheap suit. I think you got a good one. But remember, it's a tiger by the tail. I'd welcome that company to come on any day of the week, any day, including tomorrow. Okay, let's go to Brian in Kentucky. Brian, a lot of Brian's today. Brian. How do you feel about U.S. Bank? Eh, you know, 52-week high, decent yield. Um, Look, I think it's fine. I mean, I, I, this or J.P. Morgan or Bank of America, they're all fine to me. They just don't do it for me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, bubble, bubble, markets in trouble. Kramer's got the goods on what's expanding, what might burst, and how to tell the difference. Next. There's nothing easier than to come out here and say this whole thing is a bubble. Stocks, cryptocurrencies, you name it, it's a bubble. The same old money managers keep trotting out this excuse to stay underinvested and doubtful of all assets, particularly equities. To me, that is lazy thinking. There's no big bubble in stocks. What we have are three smaller bubbles, but they often blind older portfolio managers. They're not blinding me. They find these little bubbles so repulsive that it sours them on everything, including great stocks that make a ton of sense right now. So what are the little bubbles? Well, first, you've got cryptocurrencies and non-fungible tokens. Between the two, crypto is a lot more realistic. You don't have to be you don't have to believe in the crypto party line about the dangers of fiat currency and how you need an alternative because central banks all over the world are printing money like crazy. Part of me suspects that's nonsense, but we know that there's a market for this kind of nonsense because gold bugs have been saying the same thing for decades. In other words, crypto has a natural constituency. Like gold, people buy it as a kind of inflation insurance. Gold's strength is its scarcity. The supply only increases by about 1% per year, and it's getting harder and harder to find more. Sounds a lot like Bitcoin to me. Of course, Bitcoin just had a spike that took it to new heights, and since then it sold off pretty substantially before roaring back today. But I think it's totally legitimate to believe it can rival gold as a storeholder value. It certainly performed a lot better than gold. But then there are extremes, extremes like Dogecoin or non-fungible tokens. Dogecoin was created as a joke, and it remains a joke, except a lot more people are in on it. Sure, the punchline was always that it's no less legitimate than any other cryptocurrency, at least in theory. But when older money managers see people making fortunes betting on a piece of satire, it makes them feel like the markets have gone insane. 
As for the non-fungible tokens, this feels like a pure speculative mania, like tulips in the 17th century, okay? Because NFTs have billionaire backers, though. And that's somehow because they have billionaire backers, it's deemed legitimate. Honestly, come on. There's so many billionaires out there now that their support means nothing to me. All I can see is a play on the greater fool theory with uh, no two-way markets being made. Nike shoe markets make more sense. That said, the billionaires who bought into NFTs have the firepower to keep this market alive for a long time. How about the second uh, little bubble here, the SPACs? All right, the problem here, Myriad. First, many of these special purpose acquisition vehicles have no rigor at all, just to name. They can buy privately held companies with ridiculous forecasts, effectively giving them the equivalent of an IPO without any regulatory scrutiny. I think the SEC needs to either close this loophole or regulate SPAC back reverse mergers the same way they regulate IPOs. If not, the SPAC deals will keep coming, even though this bubble has already burst. Doesn't matter, though. There's so much money floating around in the SPAC space that they won't stop until someone makes them. As for the third little bubble, you've got the stocks that trade at more than 10 times sales. There are a plethora of these. They were great investments last year. But now that Wall Street has lost its interest in high-flying growth stocks, they're tumbling back to earth. Well, I agree with the bubble callers about this particular group. There's a simple solution to the problem of super expensive stocks. They can always short them. If these bears really think the high flyers have no value, there are a gazillion ways to bet against them. Memo to hedge fund managers, stop whining about overvaluation. Start putting your money where your mouth is. But be careful of shorting stocks with earnings. GameStop just raised a half billion dollars in a heartbeat. And Kramer Faye Proof Point, the deservedly pricey cybersecurity company, although it does have earnings, caught a huge private equity takeover bid this morning. Both have earnings. Both are working. Look, it's a simple equation here. We've got three smaller bubbles, but two of them can be eliminated. The Wild West of SPACs and the stock with nosebleeds valuation. The SEC can stop the SPACs. And real insiders and major mutual funds can bring down the shorted high flyers. That just leaves the bubblicious action in the cryptos and NFTs. But even if you think the action in Dogecoin is insane, that's not a reason to give up on stocks. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.